What's up, Patriots pals and Foxborough friends? We welcome you to the latest and always greatest edition of Six Rings and Football Things, live streaming across the Fitzy GFY and WEEI socials on February 1st, 2024, the nine-year anniversary of the Malcolm Butler interception and the Patriots Super Bowl 49 spectacular. And we thought there would be no better way for your old pals, Nick Fitzy Stevens, and Andy Jumbo Hart to celebrate then by bringing in one of our most favorite special guests today. That's right. For 11 years, he protected Tommy's blind side, and he is always ready to let it ride. He was one of the best left tackles, and man, can this guy make the room crackle. He's got a beard. He likes to be weird. The one and the only three-time Super Bowl champion and Patriots Hall of Famer, Mr. Matt Light, joins the Six Rings and Football Things podcast today good morning maddie how are you guy buddy i am good good to see you good to see you both and uh it's been a long time by the way and we were talking a little bit earlier and uh you know i, I recognize your face but i also remember you know you, you you typically had some good things to say about the fat people you know that played the game so <laughs> you know th this is this is like probably the safest environment for uh for any uh former player so one thing I was going to also tell you is that when you say special, right, like special mm -hmm. guest, mm -hmm. it reminds me that every time I use that to describe my friends, it's not typically <laughs> flattering, right? You know what I mean? Like, oh, he's special, you know, so but I take it as a badge of honor. So <laughs> amazing introduction. Yeah. Oh, always, dude. I got to ramp it up for you. You're one of our favorite guests here. And as I was detailing to Andy before we got rolling as we were in the virtual green room here in our live stream. Um, this is probably the most, um, it's really nothing subdued about you. You're actually a subdued, if anything else. Uh, but this is probably the cleanest cut and most, uh, uh, normally presented because in previous appearances on six rings, uh, as I've gotten to see you on the live stream, you were in full butcher's gear after having, uh, taken a deer and you were preparing venison sausage. Last time you joined me from what looked like your trophy room in nothing but a white, Super Bowl robe, and now here you are, just kind of in your—I um, uh, won't call it a man cave. What would you? Uh, you've got a bison behind you. I see there's an elk on the wall mounted. Uh, what would you? What, where are you right now? I'm I'm in my little getaway. You know, I think most of us have that that little space that we go to that you know kind of keeps our sanity, right? And this and that's where I'm at now. And I would also tell you that you know it's a New Year's thing, right? Like 2024, I said. You've got to be more professional. You, you need to grow up a little bit, right? So Wait, what? I'm, I'm trying to present, you know, well, yeah. better. What? That's, no, that's that's overrated. I did want to ask you, though, before we get into the football stuff, since I know you're a hunter, and I don't hunt, but I have a lot of friends that do, as they say. Um, so I eat a lot of venison in my day. My preference is um, venison burgers that my friends make with a mixture of bacon that they grind together that are by far the best burgers I've ever eaten. But what is your preferred uh, venison dish? Well, it's a, that, it's a loaded question. Now, listen, the, the bacon is is a is a must. When you're working with wild game, you you really need to add a, and introduce a fat, right? Because there's yep. no fat in wild game for the most part. And as we know, like what we all love is the fat content, whether it's a ribeye or right. you know a nice chuck that that's ground chuck that has a little bit of everything in it. So, so the the fat that they introduce to the bacon never is a bad idea, right? But definitely mm -hmm. with the venison, 
And and I think anything that you do with wild game, it, it always starts from the moment that you actually uh, locate and find the animal that you shot, right? So it's it's interesting. I study with a, a dear friend of mine who's on the Outdoor Channel, and and he's a phenomenal chef. You know, was in France, trained classically, trained can cook in ways that will blow your mind. Has some of the best restaurants in England, and. The way that they do wild game over there, again, it starts with the second you find that animal, how you growl at it or in, in what we call dressing the animal, how you hang it, how you age it, and then butchering. All of that process is probably my favorite part, right? I love taking something that you can harvest on your own. You get to know the animal. You understand their patterns. You get close enough with a bow to actually take one, and then the fun really begins, right? Because everything that you do to prepare it properly is what you get to share with the people like you, right? Like that maybe don't get an opportunity to get into the woods. And I would say this, my daughter shot a doe this, this, this fall, this past fall. And, you know, she's been hunting with me for a long time. She's 10 years old. It's an awesome experience. If you're a parent to share that with your kid, but we took this doe and I did a French trimmed rack of venison where you kind of take the a third of the ribs and you put them together as they're roasting and you do them on a the grill and then you slice them and everybody gets a little chop of venison. And, mm. oh, and from a presentation standpoint, it's incredible, but from a flavor profile and everything else, but it begins again with what you do in the early stages and aging wild game is really important. Letting that meat rest, let it get a nice little bark on the outside of it. You know, it looks a little gnarly, but once you trim it all out, Prepare it properly. Can't go wrong, man. Now, now see, and I see Andy. This is these are the things that I love. All, whenever Matt joins the show, um, and don't forget, everybody, I, I would like to remind you. We'll we'll say it one more time. But Matt, um, in addition to just wanting to jump on, talk some football, and share some cooking tips, um, the Matt Light Foundation, which does amazing work, visit mattlight72.com. Matt is having his annual Fool's Night Out comedy show and Pranktacular. That would be Thursday, March twenty first, two thousand twenty four at Memoir, the fabulous club at the Encore Boston Harbor. To get tickets and information, you visit mattlight72.com. Uh, he'll have all the favorites like Lenny Clark, Tony V, the Boston, every every quality Boston comedian and headliner will be there as well as Matt, his treasure trove of Patriots videos, pranks, and so much more. So make sure you visit mattlight72.com. Get your tickets today. Never a bad time had at a fool's night out. Um, but I, Matty, I wanted to sort of go to the idea like so matt chatham speaking of mats and food and new england patriots chatham has made a nice little niche for himself with uh his barbecue work now he's got obviously he's got the two he's got gold bark and then i forget what the other one beefcake is the name of his beef rub um yep. does great food he gets hired out for events i think he's almost had his own cooking show uh as as well like and i know he gets hired out to teach people how to smoke you almost could sort of like I could see some sort of show on like Discovery Plus or like Food Network where like you take you you do like the literal like forest to table or something like that where you show people like to appreciate consuming and I will somehow figure out a way to tie this to football like that's where that's that's where <laughs> it lives <laughs> right that's where it lives ultimately it's going to live in here but before it goes from your plate to your mouth to here it's there. And like, I appreciate the fact that you, you don't just go to the store, see it in cellophane and then take it home and do something like you are about the whole hog and the whole process. 
Listen, and and by the way, it's again, it's rewarding, right? Like, I, you know, I, I get it. So many people didn't grow up hunting. I was fortunate. My entire family goes back generation after generation, big into the outdoors. My great grandfather was part of the Outdoor Writers Association. That was a big deal back in the day. My my grandfather, my great grandfather started Lights Outdoors column in our local paper. Then my grandfather took it over. Then my dad's oldest brother took it over his three generations of, you know, really conservation and and what it's like to, you know, get into the outdoors and why people enjoy, you know, the sport of hunting. And uh, again, though, I would say that just the ability to eat, right? Like we did a game dinner last Friday. We had mm -hmm. about 20 guys in. We cooked unbelievable food. I made my wild turkey poppers with wild boar bacon. I take wild boar Ooh. from a hamster, take the belly, I brine it, I then put it in my smoker, I make my own bacon out of wild boar belly. It's very lean, it's the good fat, not the bad fat. Mm. I wrap that around a marinated chunk of wild turkey breast. I put a little jalapeno in there, throw it on a grill, it's unbelievable. Mm. I mean, we had so much good food, but again, you know, if you've never done it, just give it a shot, man. Go out, try to get into hunting, do something in that realm. You'll never, ever regret it. And you're outdoors, by the way. I mean, I can go wrong. So you're advising everybody to go outside and shoot something later today? Legally, I would get a license first. Yes. <laughs> and normally when I go outside and shoot something, it's me walking outside holding my phone, expressing my frustrations over the New England Patriots or giving a sports take to share on social media, which is probably the last thing that I think you would ever be prone to do, like, hold on guys, I got to make sure that I upload this to TikTok. Like you, that's one of the ways you and Bill were always alike, like his disdain for my face and, you know, and tick book and everything else were the same. I yeah. could never see you just be in mid conversation. Be like, guys, hold on a second. I just got a news flash from Schefter. I got to weigh in on this. Give me two seconds. Like, no, it's more like, Oh, actually, I heard there's going to be like some like I love quail or there's going to be some doves. Hold on. I got to go take that down for a meal later on Sunday. Hey, I've got one of the <laughs> so glad you just brought that up. One day I walk into the stadium and yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm I think I already done my workout, actually. And I went in to grab a little lunch before I was going to leave this in the off season. So this would have been in April at some point. And Bill walks in and, you know, when Bill walks in, it's it was always uncomfortable, right? Like you see him in the meeting room, you know, that's normal. But then like he'd disappear uh, if he, he'd be in his office or he'd be in a meeting or whatever. It wasn't normal just to have Bill walk up to you when you're having a lunch, right? Like, you know, just sitting there hanging with the guys. And he comes over and he's like, look, you know, what are, what are we doing? And I'm like, what do you mean, coach? And he's like, you know what I'm talking about. You're on stadium property with a weapon. I'm like, what? I'm like, no, no, no. I go, and so what happened that morning, see the off-season program, the linemen at that time were probably working out together at about 7 o'clock. I would get there at about 4.30, and I would go right out behind the stadium, and there was always wild turkey there. And during the season, I would usually take one bird there at some point, and that morning happened to be the morning. And when I was going out to do it, stadium security stopped me, and they're like, hey, you, you can't, you can't do this and i'm like i can i'm like i hunt turkeys here every year and so i went out i set up i shot a bird with my bow and i get back in my truck i took the bird i took the breast in and actually put him in the fridge and then i did my workout well bill comes over and he's like you can't have a weapon i go bill i go it's not a weapon i had a bow 
And he's like, it's a, I go, I go, it's a gun. You can't bring a gun on stadium property. I shot this thing with a bow. He's like, it says weapon. And I'm like, no, he looks at me and he goes, you want to argue me on the rules? And I'm like, point, right? Really good point. And so I, I, I I remember I looked at him because I thought this would be clever and funny. And I said, well, you want me to leave Jack Johnson and Tom O'Leary at the door? Because these are different weapons. I was shaking his head, just like, don't do it again. This conversation, he walks out. And I remember looking at the guys uh, next to me, and their faces uh, were like, dude, you're going to get fired. Like, he's going to, <laughs> like, what are you doing? And I remember thinking, yeah, maybe I, maybe I went a little hard on that one. <laughs> <laughs> so that, oh, that story kind of leads us into Bill Belichick doesn't have a job. Like, everybody had him going to Atlanta, and now it's like, Seems like every coaching hire we get, whether it's Mayo or Canales or any, they're all like 36, 37, 38 years old. Do you think we have just entered a world where there's no longer a spot for Bill Belichick and his unique personality and leadership traits in the NFL at the age of 71? You know, I think leadership is is the word that I would I would hang on for a second. It, if you take it out of the sports realm, right, and you look at what we what we face our biggest challenges as a country you know in the world and i would argue that it's a lack of leadership right that people in positions of authority are failing to lead because it's it's difficult it's hard it takes a lot of effort it takes you know uh, it it takes sacrifice a lot of sacrifice to be a great leader look at our military look at the lack of leadership in our military we have four-star generals that walk away because the rules of engagement and what they're being told to do, they know isn't right and they can't affect change and the void that's coming in or the, the lack of leaders that come in behind them are putting us in terrible positions, right? So now let's go back to football. There's one reason that I think a guy, you know, left recently in Nick Saban, I'm talking about, I yep. think it's because Right when the season ended, he had a number of players that walked in his office and were like, hey, man, if I don't get this, I'm out. If, if, I, if I don't get paid, I'm out. And, and if you think about it, the Belichick, you know, the, the, the Nick Sabans, the, the coaches that go above and beyond to sacrifice everything, their personal lives, you know, their, their interests, their hobbies outside of the sport of football, their competitive advantage is completely nullified. It's gone. Because it, it now comes down to who has the biggest checkbook. And so why would you want to sacrifice all of that to play their game now? It's their game. They created this situation. It's their game. So that's why a guy like Nick Saban probably doesn't want to be involved in that world anymore. The world that he loves. The world that he's like one of the best at. And it's also a reason why I think the owners in the NFL today look at head coaches differently because it's it's really how do I appease these guys to keep them happy and that's not the Patriot way that's not the Bill Belichick model for doing business it's all about accountability pushing guys you know forcing them into you know their their role their position and that's just not how business is done these days yeah you know it's a great parallel you make there Matt because you know people describe the, and I'm sure you could as well. The way Belichick, the way Bill Belichick ran things, as militaristic, comes from the Navy background. Obviously, there's a regiment, there's accountability, there's a process, a procedure, and a reason. And he doesn't want any pushback. And obviously, that's 
one of the reasons why things fell apart in later stages with Mac Jones. And so that, it, that, that sort of like highlights Andy's point. Like, you know, I know there's no NIL deals and the like in the NFL, like there is in college, which is making that a, an entire, you know, dog shit show really these days. Whereas um, for Bill, like the way he did things when it, we had guys like you guys who understand that guys who wanted to be coached that way, guys who believed and bought into a process versus, uh, and a lot of your other friends as well. Um, I, uh, your amazing line and everything else versus now guys that are like, hold on, I gotta, I have to right after practice. Like I gotta send, I gotta find these five really good photos and post them to Instagram. I gotta check on the design of my logo. Cause everyone has a TB 12 or some, you know, like, they have all of these individual things and brands that they're representing as opposed to just buying into the whole cause. And I think that is, you're right. I think that's why you're seeing 36, 37 and 38 year old young coaches that are more on the relatable side and that are also like coming up with trickeration and deceit uh, galore on the offensive side versus just like good old fashioned football coach. Yeah. And and I think that, you know, the, the other side is this, you know, don't think that just because, you know the the NIL thing. Obviously, it stops in college, right? I mean, it's, it does. It's not applicable to the pros, but they're bringing that mentality, right, in every single one of these young players, whether it's a Mac Jones or a whoever. That sense of entitlement, and you know, it's it, it it falls on deaf ears, right? I mean, people have been talking about this sense of entitlement, how there's not really that much accountability for years and years, right? But it hasn't shown up the way it does today. Until recently, right? Uh, because you had some of the old guard, right? Like if I looked at the Patriots team, you know, of, of the of this past season, a guy like David Andrews understands what it means to be accountable and show up every day and work hard. He's a throwback, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Obviously, there there's other guys that that fit that category. I single him out just because I can relate to him so much. But what I can't relate to is the idea of a Trent Brown. Again, he's not a spring chicken. He's not a rookie. But that would never have happened when I was there, right? It, it wouldn't have happened for a lot of reasons. And I'm not saying that the reason would be me. It just wasn't the culture. It wasn't accepted. The culture now has changed. And, and, and it's really difficult to change what's established within a locker room. And from one team to the next, there's there's really nothing that stands out. Like we stood out as an organization and it wasn't just because we, we came out in 2001 with, with, with not introducing ourselves individually. Right. It went way beyond that. It started in the off season. It, it went through practices, individual practice. It was in our meeting rooms. It, it was, it was, it, it permeated everything that we did. Right. And so, you know, when you think about the, the way that these guys are being led today, it's just it's it's really hard to think that it's going to change. And oh, by the way, the rules tell them to to basically do a lot of this as well, right? Look, look at how they're officiating the game. Look at I mean, you're a defensive guy today. Come on, man. I mean, I don't relate to these defensive guys because I'm uh, like smarter than the average bear. And you know that's <laughs> you know, but I'm just kidding, uh, not really. But you know, if I'm a defensive player, especially a guy that's in the front seven. <laughs> What's my incentive to be a football playing Jesse and get to the quarterback and try to take him off his feet? I'm probably going to cost my team something. I mean, the numbers prove it, right? And then beyond that, at what point do these guys have enough time to actually practice their craft? 
I've been speaking this. You've heard me say it forever. Yep. yep. Don't practice enough. That's why they get hurt. That's why they drop like flies. That's why you see so many line of scrimmage penalties and ridiculous, you know, just procedural things that if you practice, you wouldn't make those kind of mistakes. But it's just not that important to them anymore. You know what's important? DraftKings, FanDuel, and God love them. I'm not, I'm not belittling their business model. I, I think it's great. I'm a free market guy. But that is what is running the NFL and sports in general. Yeah, you're uh, you're preaching to the choir. Fitzy likes to call me Hardo Heart because I am old school. Just and and some of it, quite honestly, is being around you guys, being around covering Bill for 20 years and the way he ran things. People gave me a hard time, and in August, I said I would cut Trent Brown, and they're like, "Wait, you don't have a left tackle?" I was like, "No, but he's a net negative. Like in the end, he's a he's big, he's talented, he's but in the end, he's a net negative." And I have this belief they're going to flag football. I think the Olympics is a is a test balloon. I think they're going to see how the Olympics are received with flag football. And I think in maybe my lifetime, maybe a little after that, you're going to have flag football. And they'll probably make money because watching Tyreek Hill catch the ball and all those things, I guess, will probably make money. Um, but before we get off on our old man rant and just yell at clouds mm. for another mm. 20 minutes or 30 minutes, um, you want to tell the kids to turn the music down in the other room, too, because yeah. it's too loud, Andy? Shut up, old man. You're 50. I'm not quite there yet. <laughs> um, but you have Bill and Tom getting into the media, which or definitely Tom. I think we all perceive maybe Bill will be a holdover in the media. Um, you think those guys are going to be good at their jobs in the media or are we going to get because I want raw dog Bill Belichick. I think raw dog Bill Belichick on a streaming service where there's F-bombs and there's no holds barred would be phenomenal. I wonder about ESPN Bill Belichick. Yeah, listen, I look on one hand, I think um it if you were sitting in some of the meetings that we had and you listened to how Bill takes I don't know 40 some odd years of of football knowledge, right? And applies it in ways that would just blow your mind. I mean, you know, he's bringing up that that, you know, that 1984 Giants defense that you know, I mean, it was it was a week seven and, you know, they were playing San Francisco. They were on the road. Uh, the wind was out of the north and, and in that stadium. I mean, literally every detail that you could possibly imagine. And and as a player and as a, as a guy that didn't see a lick of football, I'd never seen an NFL game in my life until I got to New England. And to have someone with that deep of knowledge, right? In, in, in so many different categories and, and the recall to and immediately pull that out and then use that. It is amazing. So I think I think from that perspective, if you're a football you know nerd, if you love the game, if you like the strategy side of it, if you want to hear somebody who who can, you know, present the game from that perspective, you're going to love a guy like Bill Belichick. And and it wouldn't be it'll be different from Brady, but it but it, it'll be kind of the same because he again has an unbelievable knowledge of the game. It'll be more relevant, obviously, to his position, how he sees defenses, how he communicates with his offensive players, but it'll be very detail-oriented. The thing you won't get, in my opinion, is is a is a comfortable, you know, uh charismatic, witty individuals on either side really to be honest with you I think I think there are people who when it comes to like a, a you know a color guy you know you, you think of the Romos of the world people that can just step into a position after not doing it and and most people find them fairly entertaining 
it's not going to be the entertainment value, but it'll be the knowledge and 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 just how they think that'll be very captivating to a probably a large you know part of the audience. Well, and you know, like here here's the thing: like in the position you're in, like you don't have a regular talk show, you're not a, a part of any local media affiliates, pregame show, postgame. So when you do things like this, whether it's just for the sheer hell of it or a promotional capacity or combo therein. You can always be authentically you, unfiltered Matt. Like that, you, what you get with Matt Light is what you get with Matt Light. Whether you're pouring vodka, Yankee spirits, or hanging out in front of a bison you killed, talking to two knuckleheads in their fan caves. That's what you get. Matt Light, what you see, what you hear is what you get. Whereas, you know, Bill, we don't always know if we're going to be getting that behind the clo the behind the scenes closed door. Jesus Christ, Light, I could have gotten somebody from Acton Boxborough who could have done that for you a little bit better or whatever. And Tom is so manicured and so from a, like he's met Gala Tom now, like he is, a, he's a brand. So we'll, I don't think we would ever get the Tom Brady that would like lose a game of checkers to you and throw the checkerboard at you and then MF you in the locker room and then send someone to target or Caldors to go buy a new one for after the game. Cause he was going to make you stay until he could beat you at checkers. That's the, that's who I want. Not like yeah. oh, well, you know. but but you're talking about a natural, you know, just someone who who performs naturally, right? Versus, you know, I, I'm going to study this. I'm going to become this entity, this other thing, right? And and but that's I think to your point that that is how they approach a lot of things, right? The natural side, it's it's a brand, it's an image, it's a it's what they want you to see, right? Versus someone like me. I could really care less. I'm just going to do what I do. And if it's not good enough, you'll let me know and, and I'll be gone. And if it is good enough, let, let's keep rapping and let's go somewhere. So, yeah, I, you know, it, it will be it, it, I think it will be entertaining how long it'll be entertaining, um, how, how it kind of matures over time. I think that'll be the interesting part. Right. You know, at what point do they find it boring? I don't know. Will they? You know, at what point where this not be enough for a guy like Bill, if he does get into the media side or for Tommy looking at these games and, you know, I, I can remember a point probably around 2015. It had been, you know, two, three, four years after I retired. And I'm talking to Tommy and he's he's in he's in the stadium here at Gillette. And he's like, light, the game is so easy. The game is so easy. If you were here you would laugh at at like how we prepare how we practice you know just you go into the game he goes you could you could line up right now and be very effective having not you know well, he knew me having not done anything for years you know <laughs> and, and, and I, you know it resonated with me because i was looking at it from the outside in kind of thinking the same thing like like the way they again the way they practice the rules of engagement what happened you know, post 2011 CBA, I mean, it was astonishing. I'm like, I'm talking to guys. And I'm like, whoa, 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 you, you don't hit twice in, in like two, two days back ever. You never hit back to back. Nope. Uh, and there's no such thing as a two a day, obviously. Oh, no, no, no two days. And wait, wait, you had seven padded practices in all of training camp. Yep. I'm like, how in the world? Are you ready to go? I mean, look, I'm the kind of player, if I didn't take almost, like literally, if I didn't take every rep during the week, I did not feel good going into the game. Now, there were guys, 
and I'm not going to use names like Seymour, William McGinnis, but I'm not going to, I don't want to say who, that right. they they could literally go out there and play lights out and, and not have practiced once during the week. But they were rare individuals, right? So I just don't, I can't relate to how they do football today. But going back to, you know, these guys and on air and everything else, it, how long how long will it last before they look at it and they say it's kind of boring well tom will have what 375 million reasons to not get bored that's that's that an incentive to keep finding it intriguing mm-hmm. um a really fair speak, point speaking of the offensive line cuz obviously the line was sort of one of the stories of the season all last year and now everybody's talking hey can you take a tackle with the third pick or a top 10 pick um and the investment there but i do wonder because I watch football games all the time and everybody's bitching about how the line sucks and there's not enough line. It's like quarterbacks. There's not enough linemen to go around. You watch like a Giants game. Oh, their line blows or the Patriots, their line blows and all these guys are messes. I'm not sure it's not what you're talking about. Like you can draft a guy in the top 10 because he's six foot six, 312 pounds and ripped and athletic. But are you preparing him to play? And I actually think that's the bigger issue that you're touching on is I think the linemen are probably as talented as ever. There's probably five guys per team you could find to get out there. But if they're not ready to go, and if you only practice in pads, you're doing a disservice. It's, and again, I actually think I'm answering my own question in that if this is just trending toward flag football, we'll get rid of the fat guys altogether and not have to worry about this and not have to worry about pads and preparation. But do you think it's possible for the Patriots to just simply take a guy in the top 10 picks in the draft, plug him in at tackle like they plugged in Matt? Another question about Matt Light. I just interrupted myself. I got a Fitzy length question here. Um, is the story true that you were supposed to start in Cincinnati as a rookie, but told your family that you were going to start and Bill got mad that it got out you were going to start, so therefore he didn't start you? Is that a true story? No, it, you're close. You're close. It's just not the reason why. So, so I grew up about two hours north of Cincinnati. My rookie year, right? right it, big deal. I'm going to go down there. I'm going to play. It had nothing to do with me saying anything because i mean the only people i ever talked to are my friends and family but it had to do with the fact that the night before the game i went across the river we stayed just on the kentucky side you didn't go to covington did you i i I went i went into cincinnati because we stayed on the kentucky side went into cincinnati i had dinner with some of my buddies and when i was coming back a, a semi a tractor trailer jackknifed on the main bridge the only way to get across the ohio river and block the entire thing like like the head of the of the tractor trailer was here and the the back of it was here and it was the whole highway so we literally sat there and i remember i was dying i'm a rookie i know what it means to be late you're probably gonna get cut right i'm freaking out calling andrewsy calling guys like mike compton i'm like please stall for me they're like yeah there's nothing we can do (laughs) <laughs> and when I got there, uh, I was probably 25 minutes late. We had already separated from Bill's meeting. We were in individual meetings. I walk in, Dante, when the meeting was over, just looked at me and was like, you're the dumbest human being on earth. And, and then I go to bed, like freaking out. I get up the next morning, go through everything, get to the stadium, warm up. And when we get done with warm ups and we come back in, <laughs> that was the first time that Bill walked up to me. He's like, all right, look, you know, I'm not going to start a guy that can't even show up. I mean, you know, you, you just, just sit and watch how professionals play the game. And I'm like, <laughs> oh my gosh. Right. Like, like he waited till that moment. So I sat there and froze, like, you know, didn't do anything. 
And then after halftime, he comes up to me and he's like, all right, you're in. And I'm like, oh, great. Now I got to go in. It was like ice cold off the bench after you watch your buddies do it. Jeez. Yeah, and I have no idea, if the, as Dante would say, I don't know if the ball's pumped or stuffed. I have no idea what I'm doing. This crowd is kind of, you know, Cincinnati. I don't know. It was, man, what a rough way to start, you know, your rookie year. <laughs> but it all quintessential. It, yeah, you know what? I yeah. think it turned out okay. So, um, but to your point, though, like you were talking about offensive line play, can, can you be effective just going out there and drafting a really good whatever, right? And then bring them into the fold. And man, I'm telling you, it's so again, and I don't, I don't, I, I am the guy uphill both ways. I mean, we used to play when we were tough, like, but it, it, I'm saying it because I really think it's important. Like, I want the game of football to succeed as much as maybe it sounds like I'm a Debbie Downer. I want it to succeed because, hey, look, I work with kids from all over the country. I understand how much this game can do in the lives of young people. And, and what it can instill. And I don't care if you ever become a professional or even play at the college level. It's really good for kids to be competitive. There's nothing wrong with being competitive. There's nothing wrong with wanting to win at everything you do. That's okay, young people. And by the way, sports drive that message. Sports force you to have respect for your coaches and your teammates and go out there and even when it's tough, put on a good face because that's life, right? So I want to see that. The problem is, especially on the offensive and defensive line, you have to practice. So to your like, yes, it, it it's really sloppy, and I don't care. I mean, look look the teams that are playing in the Super Bowl. I, I, when I've been watching, you know these these playoff teams and their lines, you know it's been better. But my goodness, there's a million things that you could point to, and you're like. How'd that happen? Or, I mean, look look at how much these quarterbacks are getting harassed. And it's not just – look, <laughs> when I played, they were really good defensive linemen. And we did a pretty good job of keeping Tommy upright. I mean, of course, we gave up what we gave up, but not the way they do it today. If you were to look at the statistics, it would prove that. If you look at the rate of injury at a time where the, the game's supposed to be the safest it's ever been, these guys are getting injured more now than ever before, and they never practice. How's that possible? How, how is it possible? You can't have both of those and say that you're doing the right thing. So clearly, you know, this is a problem. And to your point again, on the line is where you're going to see it the most. All right. Um, I know we oh, only got a, probably got a couple minutes left here, but I wanted to ask you, I'd love to get your spin on – why you think Vrabel doesn't have a gig yet um, after being so successful for six years and making a hell of a first impression, first time coach in the NFL. And obviously we'd love to get a little insight on what you think Gerard's coaching style is going to be like, because you played with him for four years and you were in that famous video that went viral a week and a half ago where Brady called him Gerard Belichick. Uh, it was you Zolak Brady and somebody else. Um, but um, real quick, um, there, when I posted that you were going to be joining us for the live stream in the pod today, and someone was like, ask him about, I heard him on Greg Hill Wednesday, ask him what he thinks about Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, listen, I, I, just disappointment, man. I mean, look, in the early years, I was with him, and it has nothing to do with being a hater because they win. Hey, man, if right. you you go out there and earn it, you should win, and I'm, I'm right. all for you. The problem I have is that here is a guy – who, there, there's a lot of weight on his shoulders, man. Like the bigger you get, the more responsibility comes with that, right? And and that means that 
if you're going to do the kind of things that he's done over and over, right? The, the, you know, the facial expressions, the complaining, the whining, you know, when they had that play that got overturned because one of his wide receivers was lined up wrong, his reaction to that just was like the, that was the breaking point for me. Like, dude, all these young people watch you. And if they don't feel entitled enough because of how the world treats them, and they're getting $10 million contracts when they're in high school, they sure as heck are going to start to think the way you're acting now, right? So come on, man. Like you have a responsibility to do it right. People are looking at you and, and he needs to realize that. And, and look, if nobody says this, then why would it change? You know, somebody should say it to him. And it, not that he's going to listen to me and, and nor should probably anyone else for that matter. <laughs> but it bothers me that he does that. And then you, on the flip side, I, I said this too on Hillman's show. If you want Kansas City to win, then you, I, I think you're responsible for killing people. I, I, I know it sounds crazy. It's Pfizer. It's Kelsey. And that drove me. The politics in the world and the things that are going on with these players, the decisions they make. Why is that important that he's pushing that? Again, my personal belief, take it for what it is, but it drives me nuts. Can we just have guys that want to go out there and knock each other around on a football field, be competitive, and play the game of football? So keep wow. it as agenda-free and clean as possible. Shut you don't up want and dribble. Yeah, shut up, shut up and tackle. Yeah. Just like you don't want to you don't care about what time Tay Tay's playing lands from Tokyo. You don't need the constant pitchman spokesmanship advocacy. You know, well, I, our, all of our beliefs, we may have three different belief sets here about viruses, child rearing, vaccinations, whatever. You just want to, you just want a nice, clean game. You just want a nice, clean game of football without all the other bullshit. I want to, I want to not like you for who you are, not for what you're repping. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, I, I, like, like, I want to hate you because you, you, you beat me consistently. Son of a gun, man. I can't stand that team. I, I want to hate you because you're dirty. And, th and that just gives me a, one more reason to just give you a little extra. I love playing the dirtiest teams out there. It made me rise to their level, right? So, yes, I want to hate you for the right reasons, not these ridiculous ones. And so, you know, whether it's a Patrick Mahomes or a Travis Kelsey and all this stuff, I, I could care less. Like, why do we need to watch Taylor Swift on any football production on earth. Can we please just get back to the real world and where guys want to go out and, and hit each other on a football field? Right. Could you imagine like Don Meredith and how, and now here comes Taylor. We cut to Taylor Swift up in the box. How about that? Oh my. Uh, yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. I, I know. Yeah, somebody's got to say it, man. Come on. So, All Matt, right. let me. I, I'm going to put you on the spot here. Good for you. Because there, there is a guy uh, whose name keeps popping up in this new age Patriot era, and it's not Gerard Mayo. You know, whatever. He's a young coach. He'll find his way. He won't. He might fall on his face or Matt Grow or whoever these people are. But I know there's a group of Patriots fans that are concerned about someone whose last name is Kraft, actually, Jonathan Kraft. And as he sort of maybe ascends to the the more the greater leadership role and Robert ages and and Robert has backed away a little bit over the years anyway. I don't know if people are really aware of that that Jonathan does a lot day to day. But what are your thoughts on what what will be the Jonathan Kraft era in New England given your history with him? I don't know if you have stories. Feel like you could have poked his buttons a little bit over the years if we're being honest. So so what are your thoughts on the Jonathan Kraft era as it approaches? 
Well, you know, first I'd say, you know, he's been a major part of the organization since I was there, right? Going back to 2001, you know, of course, <clears throat> you know, Robert, you know, has been, you know, such a fan and 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 so involved in, and in, 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 I mean, he would be in meetings. You know, both these guys would be in meetings, right? They would be, you know, obviously around on away trips, you know, home games, of course. Um, they're very, very active. And, and I don't know if that's the norm. I mean, I, I've, I've heard that that's similar in some cases, right? You know, we all know about the Jerry Jones and, and different owners, the Snyders, all this kind of stuff, the Rooney family. There are definitely owners that are very involved. I'm sure there's some that aren't, right? right. And so, you know, my entire 11-year career, I just knew that we had owners that were actively, you know, involved in, in basically every facet of the game, right? Now, where the overall power resided, I never knew and never cared, right? I mean, I had a job to do and I did it. Um, you know, how will... You know, how will the organization run with Jonathan versus Robert? You know, look, I think Jonathan is 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 a a pure businessman. You know, I think I think from what I've been around and what I've seen, you know, his role within the family business and and he and, and I think he loves that. Right. Whereas, you know, if I look at, you know, the other brothers, you know, they're they're involved. Right. They're, they're a part of it. But Jonathan has always been. I think a guy that likes to be in that position, right? He wants to be, you know, the CEO. He wants to be the person making the decisions. Yep. He he's got a big network. He's he's always meeting with, you know, other high-profile individuals, probably to learn from them to get deals done. And I don't think that he would shy away from any aspect of anything that has to do, you know, with the business of football. So I don't know. To answer your point, I think it would be very businesslike. Um and we're going to find out, but it, it, it may be more in tune with what these new coaches are doing, mm -hmm. right? Like the way he thinks, it may be more in tune with, uh, you know, what you're seeing getting hired. But look, Fitzy, to your point uh, on the Vrabel thing, yeah, I have to believe that if you're a head coach, right, like 10, 15 years ago, if there's a position open and you were offered it, mm -hmm. a lot of guys are going to take that position, right? Yeah. I think today – you're a lot more selective. And if I'm Mike Vrabel, I'm very selective. As a former player, as a person that financially is doing pretty well, you know, they've had success at the head coach, you know, in, in that role. I would think he's very selective. So I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't say that it's the fact that these teams don't want him, right? It may be more of a situation where they walk into and it may not exist at this point. Right on. And uh, we'll uh, punch out on this. Just what do you think? What do you think Gerard's style will be like? How confident are you that he can sort of lead the Patriots out of the roster development mess that they're in? Because like you said earlier, no one knows more. Bill will have forgotten more about football today than we'll all learn in a lifetime, et cetera. We all know Bill could coach coach any any team up into greatness, but. Obviously, it seems like the Patriots were willing to sacrifice Bill the coach because they were so frustrated with what the work, the work that Bill the GM did. So now in steps Mayo, new perspective, new energy, Gerard Belichick. Uh, what what do you think he's going to be like, and how do you think he'll do? Look, he's going to be really organized on all the football stuff, right? You know, I've said this so many times. Uh, his rookie year, I said this. You know, I, I, very seldom do you see a guy walk in as a rookie and do the things that Gerard did you know, just how disciplined he was and how much time he spent in the film room. Um, you know, and by the way, I said this 
while they were teammates of mine. You know, people would ask me, like, who do you see being, you know, head coaches one day? Mike Vrabel and Gerard Mayo. You know, like, oddly enough, they're both head coaches in the NFL. So, or, you know, have been in that role. And, and I think for Gerard, you know, let, let's just ignore everything that has to do with footballs, the X's and O's side, right? Um, and, and, and let's focus on him as the recruiter, right? Yep. How do you bring in the necessary elements to help you um, execute your game plan at the highest level? That that that's really difficult for any head coach. But a first-time head coach, look, I talked to Jeff Saturday after he ended his reign as the head coach, the interim head coach in Indianapolis. <laughs> what I heard from him blew my mind. I'm naive to so much, man. I'm, I trust people. You know, I listen to them. I take them at their word. Um, I don't get into shenanigans as it relates to backstabbing and all that stuff. Um, if I have a problem with you, you know, and if and if it's not going to work out between us, you know, so be it. But at least I spoke my piece. That is not how the coaching world works. It is, it's it's a it's a terrible environment. They they all go after each other. It's all CYA. It's backstabbing. It's setting people up for like legit failure. And, and I've heard that firsthand from individuals, and it's very disappointing, right? And there's part of me that looks at it and says, like, oh, yeah, I could see that, but I didn't know it. it was to that depth. So, look, I think a very difficult thing for Gerard to do is going to be able to get the people that he needs on board because he's a good leader. He, and he's a smart guy. He knows the game of football. And then the last thing I'll say about Gerard, this goes for any coach out there, you know, if, if I'm going to, I was asked to be on a board to help hire the new AD of Purdue. And, and I got stuck on one question. What do you want from your AD? Like, what do you want? And in a lot of cases, what they were telling me was they want somebody that can raise a lot of money because a lot of athletic directors build really nice facilities and upgrade stadiums. And I said, okay, well then go find somebody that has a really good background in doing that. Don't go get the the guy that knows football, because that's what the other side of the coin is, right? So what do you want? And what And, and what I say in a head coach, what I want, look, if, if you're even being considered, you know football. The things that I think are the most important is how do you relate to people? How do you, how do you motivate? How do you, how do you get into the psyche? You know, the, the, all those tangible yet maybe intangibles are the things that I think the most about. And you know, that's going to take time. It's his first head coaching job. So if if I were you, I would hone in on the way that he communicates with his team, right? The the ways that the, the kind of people that he brings in, the messaging that he sends to them. And I think knowing him, he's going to do a great job at that. And, and I, and I know that that's where his heart is, but is that what the society is that, is that what the people he's bringing in are going to feel? And how do you get them on that page? And if he can do that, I think he'll have a really good chance of being successful. If you have good people with good hearts, you'll eventually have a great product. And I and I firmly believe in that. I'd love to hear it. That's a that's a great note to punch out on, Maddie. I appreciate that very much as we do all of your candor, opinions, perspective, and more. Um, awesome talk. Uh, thank you for coming to Matt's TED talk. This is a Matt, this is a Matt talk right here. Um <laughs> And that's the way it should be too. Uncut, unfiltered, raw, and real. Um, yes. Once, as we said earlier, um, now go Thursday, shoot something. 
Yeah, go now, now. Now get your ass outside and shoot. I can't tell you how many text messages I got that I've had to ignore, and we'll get to later while we while we do this live, Matt. And I know a lot of our audience will catch it up later on video, and of course can subscribe to the Six Rings and Football Things podcast. Use the Odyssey app. Get it wherever you get your podcast, Apple, Spotify, and more. I got so many text messages from people that are just like, well, shit, now I'm hungry. I got to go hunt a turkey or like now I need venison for dinner tonight. <laughs> um, and I love that. That's making impact. One audience, one listener, one football fan at a time. Thursday, March 21st at Memoir at the Encore Boston Harbor Hotel. You can check out the latest iteration of Fool's Night Out. I know you got all your favorite Boston comics, Maddie. You'll be raising money for the amazing work that you guys do with the Matt Light Foundation. Um, and what do you have in store personally this year? Because I imagine I keep hearing you got prank videos and stuff that never before seen. How many freaking videos are you holding on to still? <laughs> There's a reason why I can get away with a lot. I'm just <laughs> I've, I've got a lot of videos, actually. Yeah, listen. And, and here's the last thing I want to tell you. Right. Is that with all of the seriousness that I portrayed over the last hour, you know this and I hope the audience knows this. The only thing I really care about is laughing. I, I I love pulling practical jokes, having fun. And, and and I and I do. I'm I'm a very sincere person at heart. You know, like I I want to see people succeed. I love that. That's why I do the work through the Light Foundation. I want to see young people succeed. I love the challenge of working with someone and and seeing that first moment where they're like I can do this. But um at the end of the day, this event that we do at at Memoir is going to be hilarious. I mean, the comedians that come in, the people that we have around us, the laughs that we're going to share. So if you can get there, join us. You won't regret it. It's going to be great. And um, we've got a bunch of comments. I can't get to all of them. But right now, I just need to know my buddy George Kippenhan weighing in on Facebook Live. Matt, do you call him Mr. Craft Thunder? <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, when I hear thunder, I can all I think of is thunder clapping. And I just... I can't, I can't say, I can't even look, I can't even look at that word. No, I don't. I don't, <laughs> I don't call anyone thunder to be honest with you. Uh, but it was one of my favorite uh, cartoons growing up. I, I will say that. Oh, you are definitely uh, a, a lion or a, not a Mumra, much more a lion and Thundercats ho forever. Uh, thank you for the time, Matt. Appreciate it, buddy. Uh, again, to read up on the amazing work that the Matt Light Foundation does, uh, their leadership seminars, uh, the way Matt helps benefit veterans, the football gatherings and more. That's mattlight72.com. March 21st, Fool's Night Out at the Encore Boston Harbor. Tickets available through the Encore's website, or of course, mattlight72.com. Uh, great chat today, buddy. I wish you all the best. We'll see you on March 21st. Anything else we can ever do for you, you let us know. Um, and uh, yeah, it's going to be a fascinating season. We'll look forward to checking in with you maybe after the draft, after free agency, uh, come you know late summer and see what you think about what Gerard's got assembled for uh, his first season where coach Belichick ends up and so much more. He is Andy Jumbo Hart at Jumbo Hart. I'm your old pal, Nick Fitzy Stevens. And of course this is mustache himself, <laughs> Matt light, Matt light 72.com. This has been six rings of football things brought to you by W E I Odyssey and 2400 sports. We will talk to you soon. Everybody take care. Thanks for watching and listening. Good day. God bless. And as always go pets.